G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. an amazing God, a loving God, but there's a side to him that we don't like to think too much about. It's the angry God, the God of judgment and wrath. But if we don't get our mind around that side of him, then the good news of Jesus, well, there's nothing good about the news. Hi, I'm Bernie Diamond, and thank you so much for joining me again on Christianity Works. Today we're kicking off a new series of messages called Reaping the Harvest of Righteousness because there is very definitely a harvest there to be reaped. So let's head into God's Word and please do stay tuned because in just a few minutes I'll be telling you how you can receive Christianity Works free daily devotional. It's called Fresh and it's all about helping you to live the abundant life that Jesus died and rose again to give you. Now, something that strikes me as I look around the world in which we live is that we live in a world where just about anything goes. Even in my short lifetime, just on half a century, which in the overall scheme of history is like a drop in the ocean, things have changed radically. Let me give you just one example. When I was a young man, a woman falling pregnant outside marriage was a great matter of shame. Today, it's a lifestyle choice that many women make. Many, many couples choose to live together without making the commitment of marriage. And just in case you think I'm plucking that out of the air, the statistics tell us that, in Australia at least, cohabitation before marriage has increased, wait for this, from 18% of couples in 1975 to almost 60% today. It's gone from being the exception to being more the norm. Just the way things are these days. You know, sometimes you hear people thumping the table, telling us how bad things are these days, not like the good old days when I was young... The implication is that this younger generation is, well, you know, they have no discipline and standards and if only things were like they were back in the good old days. (laughs) The problem is that the good old days weren't really that good. Husbands still beat their wives back in the good old days. Children were still abused back in the good old days. Bad things still happened back in the good old days too, let's be honest. So the last thing under the sun that I want to be doing is suggesting that we somehow turn the clock back so that things will be fine again, just like they were in the good old days, because we can't turn the clock back. And even if we could, things weren't necessarily so grand back in the good old days. And there's a reason for that, because from the moment that Adam and Eve took their first bite of that apple from that one tree, the one tree in that beautiful, abundant, peaceful garden, of which God said, don't eat the fruit of that tree. From that moment, there's been this thing in the world called sin. Let's go to the story. Genesis chapter 3, beginning at verse 1, if you have a Bible. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat the fruit of of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it, or you shall die. 
But the serpent said to the woman, You won't die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit, and she ate, and she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And God said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to me, she gave me fruit from the tree, and and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is it that you have done? The woman said, The serpent tricked me, and I ate. Now, you see, things have changed in this world. We live in a world where anything goes, right? Well, just about anything. Many a moral standard of yesteryear seems old-fashioned and irrelevant and to many downright offensive. We're a whole bunch more relaxed about things these days compared with the rigid old rules of the past century. So this notion of sin, this rebelling against God, this Adam and Eve thing, well, it seems like an outdated throwback from the 1950s. It feels, well, completely irrelevant in the enlightened age in which we live, doesn't it? And there are some things from the past, the way women were treated as chattels almost, for instance, that were terrible still happens in places around the world today, or or treating people differently because of their skin colour or their nationality. So many flaws and faults in these rigid rules from the past, to be sure. And that, that's why this short three-letter word, sin, is something of a four-letter word these days, a dirty word, a nasty word, a word that implies moral judgement against the standards of the rigid and flawed rules of our childhood. But I'm not so much talking about that, about man-made rules. The thing, the thing that ushered pain and suffering into this world was our rebellion against God, starting with Adam and Eve in the garden. Read on to chapter 3 of that book of Genesis, and we find that there were some serious consequences to their actions beyond what we just read. So whilst sin is a word that seems to carry, well, a lot of baggage around with it, it, it speaks of our rebellion against God. And that word sin, as it's used in the Bible means literally to miss the mark, to miss the whole point, to miss out on your share. And that's the consequence of our rebellion against God. It's not this thing that there are a whole bunch of rigid religious rules that you and I have to follow in order to make it into heaven. That's not it at all. The point is that God is a God who loves us. He he loves you, he loves me beyond anything we can imagine love to be. Writes the Apostle Paul to his friends in Ephesians chapter 3, beginning at verse 18. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And he loves you so much, more than words can ever say, beyond understanding. And when we turn our backs on him, when you and I decide to live our lives our way, when we adopt this anything-goes attitude, when, when we decide we can eat the fruit off any tree, there are consequences. I mean, look at this, eat too much of the wrong thing and it'll ruin your health. 
work too hard for too long without rest, it'll ruin your life. Play too hard, drink too hard, it'll ruin your health and your relationships. Cause and effect. Come on, it's not rocket science. It's as plain as the nose on your face and mine. And with Adam and Eve, there was cause and effect. There are consequences. As much as we try and kid ourselves, as much as we try to tell ourselves that we can have anything and be anything and do anything, it'll be okay. We know it's a lie. And we know there are always consequences. You and I, we've been duped into thinking that sin is some old-fashioned, irrelevant religious word from the past when all along it's the greatest malady of our lives. When all along that rebellion is robbing us of the fruit of a good and healthy relationship with God, a God who loves us so much that he sent us his only son, so whoever believes in him wouldn't perish, but instead would have eternal life. I'm Bernie Diamond and you're listening to Christianity Works. As we take this short break, I'd like to tell you about a free daily resource that I'd love to send you to help you draw closer to God. It's called Fresh, a short daily devotional with a powerful scripture verse and some words of inspiration, hope and encouragement delivered right to the inbox on your smartphone, tablet or computer each and every day. Or if you prefer, you can now receive a printed version delivered right to your letterbox. It's completely free to get instant access either to the digital or the printed version of Fresh. Stop by our website, ChristianityWorks.com. You'll see the Fresh devotional sign-up right there at the top of the homepage. Or if you prefer, give us a call toll-free on 1300 722 415 to request the printed Fresh devotional. It's completely up to you. Online at ChristianityWorks.com, toll free, one 722 So go ahead, sign up to receive fresh, and may your heart be touched and transformed as you draw ever closer to Jesus through His Word. Now these days, just about anything goes, or at least that's what we want to believe. No more rules, no more religion. That was also 20th century. These days, anything goes. If it feels good, do it. The problem is, though, that it doesn't always work because the universal principle of cause and effect inevitably comes into play. Now, this word righteous, well, it's not a word that we use so much these days in common day-to-day language. Self-righteousness, maybe, is the only time that we really hear the word So what is it? Why does it matter? And why does it produce a harvest? Well, it turns out that this whole righteousness thing is a matter of cause and effect. I guess we pretty much understand the word right, telling right from wrong. At least we think we do. If it's right, it's right. If it's wrong, it's wrong. Not so much black and white these days. Lots of shades of grey there between what people consider to be right and wrong. Particularly the wealthier nations and their peoples become, the more focused we become on ourselves rather than on other people around us, that line between right and wrong, well, it's a bit bit like the shifting sands. Nevertheless, I, I guess we all have a sense of right and wrong. But the word righteousness is something of a legal term. It it has to do with the law, and in the sense of God's righteousness, it has to do with God's law, which we find in the Old Testament. best way I've found to understand it is in terms of our law today. Let's say someone does something wrong, whether it's a minor traffic infringement or a murder. Once we've done that, 
and it's proven we stand condemned by the law. By and large, so long as justice is done, we don't have a problem with that. We understand that we have to stop people from speeding their cars right through to murdering other people. So we do something wrong, and as the saying goes, we find ourselves on the wrong side of the law. And then there's a debt to be paid, whether it's a $100 speeding fine or 25 years in prison for murdering. The law demands justice. That justice acts both as a penalty and hopefully as a deterrent, but it also gives society justice. If a loved one of ours is killed by a drunk driver, let's say, and that drunk driver is tried and convicted and given a $50 fine, then we don't experience a sense of justice. On the other hand, if that drunk driver is locked up for some number of years, whilst that doesn't bring our loved one back, our sense of justice is satisfied. But here's the thing. Once the penalty or the debt has been paid by the transgressor, whatever you and I may think of them, they are free because they now have a right standing according to the law. A murderer, after serving their term in prison, walks out of that gate a free man or a free woman with precisely the same standing according to the law that you and I have. They've served their time, they've paid their debt to society, and they are now back on the right side of the law. In a legal sense, they stand justified, and here it is, here's the word, righteous. They are back in a right standing with the law that makes them righteous, and that's what righteousness means, to be in the right standing with the law. So if we do something wrong, it causes us pain, let alone the pain it causes other people, because we find ourselves on the wrong side of the law. Once we take our punishment and serve our dues, we are then righteous again in the eyes of the law cause and effect. And it's like that with our relationship with God and in life generally. And it's something that the Apostle Paul talks about with his friends at the church in Galatia back in the first century AD. Have a look with me at Galatians chapter 6 beginning at verse 7. He says this, don't be deceived, God isn't mocked, for you will reap whatever you sow. If you sow to your own flesh, you'll reap corruption from the flesh. But if you sow to the spirit, you'll reap eternal life. From the Spirit. So let's not grow weary in doing what's right, for we will reap at harvest time if we do not give up. In other words, stop kidding yourself. Stop trying to get around God. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. Cause and effect. Sow rubbish, you'll reap rubbish. Sow goodness, you'll reap goodness. So even though things can be tough, even though sometimes it feels as though the world is against us, even though it feels sometimes that nothing, absolutely nothing, is going our way. Sow goodness. Don't grow tired in doing that. Sow goodness. Sow in God's direction. Sow in God's way. And just at the right time, you'll reap a harvest. The harvest of righteousness. Sowing and reaping. Now, there's more to this whole righteousness thing than than what we do. There's some bad news about righteousness and some good news, great news, fantastic news. And we're going to be checking those out next week on the program. But right now, I guess, in a world where the maxim of our day is that pretty much anything goes, I just felt today that we need to debunk that lie. It's a patent lie. Do what feels good, anything goes, it'll be fine. No, it won't, because there's cause and effect. Get drunk, hop in your car, knock over a pedestrian. There are consequences, cause and effect. As you sow, so shall you reap. So goodness and will reap the harvest, the abundant blessing of righteousness, the right standing with God, a God who loves us beyond anything that we can say in words, a God who wants to bless our socks off. 
And the thing that I want to encourage you with today is this, that doing good doesn't always feel good. Let me say that again. It's important. Doing good doesn't always feel good. Loving the unlovable, turning the other cheek, putting others before ourselves. In fact, often it's tough and it hurts and we want to give up. It's all too hard. But we reap what we sow. That's the universal godly principle. As you sow, so shall you reap. So let us not grow weary in doing what is right, for we will reap at harvest time if we do not give up. And that harvest is the abundant harvest of righteousness, a blessing from God that is absolutely beyond anything we can imagine right now. Bernie Diamond and you're listening to Christianity Works. Sometimes with all that we have going on in life, it's difficult, if not impossible, to understand what God's up to. But God, let me tell you, is in the business of transforming your life from one degree of glory to the next. That's why I'd love to send you a free copy of our latest life application booklet. It's called Laying Hold of Your New Life. And it's full of life-changing, practical Bible teaching to help you live out the abundant life that Jesus died and rose again to bring you. In fact, at the end of each chapter, you'll find a series of life application questions to help you kind of think through and apply God's Word right into the realities of your life. To request your copy, stop by our website, ChristianityWorks.com, or give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415 and we'll send your free booklet straight out to you in the post, laying hold of your new life. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on 1-300-722-415. Now, what we like hearing about most is the love and the grace and the mercy of God. Triply. But this loving God is also a God of wrath and anger and judgment. And if we don't understand that side of this amazing God of love, then we can't begin to understand God. Now, in the coming weeks, we're going to be talking quite a bit about the harvest that Paul's talking about and we've been talking about today, the harvest of righteousness. But today there's something else that we need to chat about first. It's the alternative to this wonderful harvest of righteousness. It's one hell of a subject, but if I didn't talk about it, then I wouldn't be doing my job. The word wrath appears through the Bible some 266 times, and most of the times it's used, it's talking about the wrath of God. Now, I know that pretty much we don't want to hear about God's anger and God's wrath towards those who have rebelled against him. I know that. And I know that first instincts are to reach for the dial and turn this guy off or change stations. I know that too. But I want to encourage you not to do that because this short bit about the wrath of God may be the most important thing that you will ever, ever hear. So stick with me, even though it feels a little bit uncomfortable right now. God is really, really clear about his impending wrath. And that word wrath means this, anger which will manifest itself in the form of punishment. And he's also really clear about what things kindle his wrath. Come with me to Colossians chapter 3, beginning at verse 5. Put to death, therefore, whatever in you is earthly, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. 
On account of these, the wrath of God is coming on those who are disobedient. These are the ways you also once followed when you were living that life. But now you must get rid of all such things, anger, vengeance, malice, slander, abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have stripped off the old self with its practices and have clothed yourselves with a new self, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. Here's the amazing thing. I used to think that God was just one big long list of religious rules. Do this, don't do that. And to be sure, I grew up in a religious tradition that was very much rule-based. But the more I read of what God has to say in his word, the more I go to the source and find out exactly what he has to say, the thing I discover is that there are actually very, very few things that God says to us don't do. Very few. Look at the list that Paul gives us here. You must get rid of such things. Anger, vengeance, malice, slander, abusive language from your mouth. Don't lie to one another. There are a few others too, but but actually not many. And they're all things that are blatantly wrong. And they're all things that obviously have painful consequences in our lives, right? Why is it we kid ourselves and say, well, you know, being a Christian's hard. All these things I'm not allowed to do and I'm not allowed to have any fun. That's not what it says. The only things about which God says don't do them are the ones that are going to hurt us and hurt others. And, listen to this, if you and I persist in doing them, then eventually, even though God is slow to anger, even though he's merciful, even though he's a God of grace, eventually his wrath is going to fall on us. It's a simple message, and it's the message I feel God wants us to hear today. Galatians chapter 5, beginning at verse 19. Now, the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I'm warning you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. These are blindingly glimpsingly obvious. Hello, do you get it? Keep doing these things in stiff-necked opposition to what I'm telling you, and you will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's that simple. And this alternative to the harvest of righteousness, this not inheriting the kingdom of God, is a frightening prospect because the alternative is living the rest of eternity in the wrath of God, God's anger and God's punishment. Listen to the contrast, the sharp, stark contrast between the eternities reserved for those who worship in effect the devil or the beast, as he's called in this passage I'm about to read to you, through their rebellion against God versus those who worship God through his son, Jesus Christ. It's written in kind of picture language. So let God's word paint for you the picture. Revelation chapter 14, verses 9 to 13. Then another angel, a third, followed them, crying with a loud voice, Those who worship the beast and its image and receive a mark on their foreheads or on their hands, they will also drink the wine of God's wrath, poured unmixed into a cup of his anger, and they will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up for ever and ever. There is no rest day or night for those who worship the beast and its image and for anyone who receives the mark of its name. Here is a call for the endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God and hold fast to their faith of Jesus. And I heard a voice saying from heaven, write this, Blessed are the dead who from now on die in the Lord. Yes, says the Spirit, they will rest from their labours, for their deeds will follow them. 
John Lennon in his famous song, Imagine, sang these words, Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us, above us only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. Well, there are many people imagining that. There are many people living just for today. But one day, one day they will be greatly disappointed. Jesus made that abundantly clear. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Friend, God is a wonderful God. He has a fantastic plan for your life. It's a plan for us to live in his blessing from this point on and for all eternity. That's why he sent Jesus, his son, to pay for our sin. So that when we put our trust in him, we can be forgiven and have this new life, this eternal life. But listen to me. Please listen carefully. If we reject Jesus, if we reject God, if we reject the one whom he sent to suffer for you and me, that our sin would be paid for in full, if we reject him, there is an alternative. That alternative is an eternal separation from God. It is an eternal torment. It goes on forever and ever. I can't state it any more plainly than that. I implore you, don't reject Jesus. God sent him in his great love to save you and to save me. all we have time for today. But before I go, there's something truly important that I need to share with you. This program, Christianity Works, is encouraging so many people in over 160 countries to live out the abundant life that Jesus died and rose again to bring them. But that's only possible through the generous support of friends like you. In fact, each dollar that you give towards the ministry of Christianity Works today will help reach almost 3,000 people with a gospel message. So a gift of, say, $35 can touch over 100,000 people with the good news of Jesus. That's amazing. So let me encourage you to give a generous tax-deductible gift to Christianity Works today. You can do that right now, securely online at ChristianityWorks.com or by calling 1-300-722-415. And when you do get in touch, please don't forget to request your free copy of that life application booklet I mentioned earlier. It's called Laying Hold of Your New Life. Again, that's online at ChristianityWorks.com or toll-free on 1-300-722-415. Hey, thank you so much for your support and for joining me today. I'm Bernie Diamond and I'll catch you again same time next week with another message of God's love, God's grace and God's power for each one of us in Jesus Christ.
Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.